I'm going to start by just praying for us, if you don't mind. God, thank you for the worship. Lord, you give us all strength, and uh, we pray for that strength tonight to submit, even. There's strength in submission, um, and strength to, to teach and convey the importance of this message in your heart tonight to your people. So uh, be with them. Uh, take away whatever is maybe on their minds, distractions, Lord. I just pray we can set all things aside, Lord, and just hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you guys. Okay, so as we're jumping in here, you're going to go Judges 15. We've been at this for a hot minute, right? Our church, you know, on Wednesday nights, we've been in Judges. Specifically tonight, I'm going to cover chapter 15. And uh, you guys, as you're flipping there, remember, we're in the story of Samson, right? Started mainly in Judges chapter 13, and we go and talk about this Nazarite vow, this thing that Samson is asked to uphold and keep, right, in his life. And what's interesting, I wanted to kind of point out briefly is that's like a thing that happened back in the day. It wasn't just like Samson only, right? Like Nazarite vows were a thing that happened to, to the people of Israel, and they would do this in a way as to set themselves apart, right? To, um, it kind of almost reminds me in a way of like U-turn. Like they would go, they would set themselves apart for a period of time. This would be a, 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 an amazing time of, it would be hard too, but amazing time of dedication um, where they would, again, um, just go differently than how the, the path that they would have typically been going in their life, right? This, this again, this pulling a part of the norm for them, right? Um, in the midst of Samson's life, he is a man aroused with anger, right? And we're going to see, and who hasn't maybe in their life been, you know, in that point? And uh, we're going to see what that does for him in this passage specifically. We saw unfolding up to this point, and you're going to see after the, the last stories of Samson coming up after this. But in this story particularly, we're going to see what that anger works out for him. Um, Samson, in the midst of this, leading up to chapter 15 here, chooses a Philistine woman. Okay, what well, we know about her, she's a Philistine woman. We don't really know her name, which is interesting, from Timnah, uh, right? And, and we know that she kind of more loyal to the Philistine people, right? Like in, in chapter um, 14, we saw that she kind of gave in and was um, really... Uh, kind of leading Samson to anger with how she gave the riddle up, right? And then he goes and kills the 30 guys, right? I, I want to encourage you guys, look back. I don't want to stick too much in this intro, but look back at our previous messages that we have online, okay? But right, right now, Samson's at a point where he's angry, he's aroused, and he's now cooled off, and he's going to meet the woman that he didn't consummate his marriage to. Like in chapter 14, we saw a wife. Uh, you know, he, he saw this woman he liked, um, asked dad to go get him. And, uh, you know, there's a point where they got together and then he got angry and he left. Okay, so now we're at that point where he's cooled off and he's coming back. Okay, so we're going to start here. In verse 1, it says, After a while in the time of wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. And he said, let me go into my wife, into her room. But her father would not permit him to go in. Her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. Some translations say your best man. <laughs> right. Um, Is not her younger sister better than she? 
Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, this time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and he took torches and turned the foxes tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. When he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and the standing grain as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. Wow, <laughs> that's an angry man, right? Um, one thing I wanna point out here, guys, in the beginning, okay, what's happening here, right? Simpson's angry, he realizes, oh my gosh, I can't believe you gave this woman to my best man. How many of you, if you read that and you're married, you thought of your best man? <laughs> I was like, it better not be my best, you know? I immediately went to that for some reason. But uh, he gets angry, he gets upset, he takes it out on the Philistine people. He's like, oh, man, this, this girl, her family's all kind of messed up. You know, I got to oh, take it out on them. He takes it out on them by tying these foxes, lighting a torch in between these foxes. How, how many of you know 300 foxes is not an easy thing to catch? <laughs> like, um, in some, if you go back to it, some people might uh, translate it as jackals because they typically hang in packs. But if indeed it's foxes, Guys, foxes don't really hang in packs, you know. So to catch 300 of them and bring them together, tie them. I don't know how he tied them all together. And then I don't know if he let them loose at the same time or not. But he lets them loose into this vineyard. What's so important about this and, and why I love in the beginning, it says the wheat harvest. Guys, this was a time of like gathering. This was a time of survival where people would gather the food, like put it all together you know, and conserve so that they could live when the harvest was gone, right? And so what's interesting to me is, is, again, the time that this is happening. But what I also wanted to point out, again, is just how the Philistines see so differently. Do you notice this? Like, guys, I think if this would have happened, like, Samson would have uh, found an Israelite woman, you know, found his people, maybe amongst his people. This would have ran differently. I don't know if you guys realize this, but when he left... Right? This was chapter 14. When he left, and then now he's coming back, that's okay in that time and culture. If you look back in Jewish um, wedding customary customs, I guess I could say, you know, if you look back in that history, it's two parts. The first part is the betrothal, and the second part is where they'll spend some time away, and then they'll come back together for the actual consummation. And so the fact that he went away is not necessarily a big thing, but when she's in the hands of a Philistine lifestyle and in the Philistine world, it means something totally different. And so dad got a different picture. He said, this boy ran. I got to do something. I can't leave this girl, my daughter, you know, husbandless. So he goes and he does something about it. What he does is scary <laughs> to Samson, and it causes worse things upon their family, right? And, and I just want to briefly touch on this. I was thinking about it as I was reading this passage like 30 times, right? That like Samson, Samson was not, in my mind, in my heart, and when I'm reading this, Samson was not where he was supposed to be. Let that sink in for a second, right? We know that it was God's plan for the Israelites to rule over the Philistines, bring them out of the land, but was Samson really where he was supposed to be if he was a man who followed wholeheartedly after the Lord? Think about that. And it makes me think of my kids, you guys. Like, 
Sometimes they don't know, but we're going to go get some ice cream. We're going to the beach. We're going to do something fun. But hey, the chores got to get done, right? I don't know. One day you guys are going to, I don't know, some parents in here, some not. But I'm realizing that as a father, when there's something fun we want to do, I don't tell them right away. I say, hey, we got to do this stuff and clean up the house. And, and my daughter, she goes and she takes away toys from Asher and they go and they take away toys and climb on each other, give each other noogies, you know, body slam each other, whatever it is. Um, but they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're missing out. And I tell them that. I say, Grace, where are you supposed to be? What are you supposed to be doing right now? Because you're missing out, right? And I think about like, man, what's God's perspective in this? Like, what is God thinking? Like, if we look back, to chapter 10, verse 16, talked about this briefly before. It says, when the Israelites, so they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord, and his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. God is not an absent God. He's there. He's present. He sees us. He saw them. And he could no longer endure the misery of his people. And so I wonder, what is God thinking? What are his thoughts right now when he sees Samson doing this? His, his, his ways. Right? Um, it also says, Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Right? So thinking about, man, was he there? Was he where he's supposed to be? And I think about, man, I think, thinking about God. Remember, this is one of the questions I'm going to ask God one day. Was his thought like, Samson, I could have used you in such a mightier way. I mean, he used them. Don't get me wrong. We, we, we're going to see some amazing use. But think about, and we're going to talk about that here soon, the power of Samson, the gift that God gave him, and how God could have used him in a mighty way if there wasn't distraction in his way. Okay. Let's continue on here. So, so the, the Philistines' land is all kind of burned up, and they are so happy, right? No. <laughs> They're so angry. Right? They're so angry, and we're going to see what they do in verse 6. So then the Philistines said, who has done this? And they answered Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion, his best man. Right. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. Samson said to them, since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you. And after that, I will cease. So he attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock of Edom. So again, we see the response, the growth of this thing called revenge, right? The, uh, they want payback. Um, their answer to Samson is... Uh, to take him, and what I think was interesting, I looked in multiple translations. If you have it and you know it, let me know. But it says, you know, um, they answered to Samson. They answered Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite. Who's they? I'm like, who, who was that? You know, who was the guy that saw him wrap all the foxes? And so if you know, if you got a good Bible study thing and you know who it was, I'm curious to know. But the fact is, um, they found out it was the Timnite. Uh, it was because of the Timnite family, the people said. And so they burned his to-be wife, or what would be to him expected to be his wife, right? Because we talked about the betrothal to com uh, consummation period. That was like his wife, right? They burned her, and they burned her father. And isn't that interesting? Like, can you just see the weight of that? Like, 
knowing your family's being burned, someone close to you. And, and I think about that to myself, man, no wonder God wanted to do something about these people. No wonder, he says in the, in the beginning, don't let them inhabit this land. Don't let them take over. Instead, you drive them out. He didn't want these people to be in there with him, right? They had no moral compass. If you think about it, what's right and wrong to them? They're out to get theirs, right? And how many people we see in the world today, who's out to get theirs? Where's their trust? Where's their moral compass? Where's their just total moral thinking? I think about sometimes even like atheism. When people ask you, you know, uh, what you believe in, this or that, you should ask them, if you're an atheist, what's your moral grounds or reason for even being that, <laughs> you know? What, what is morality to you? And I think about this in this case, yeah, you know, the Philistines, they didn't have this level of morality to them, so basically whatever was good to them was good to them. They needed to get on top, they needed to rule, and whatever it took is whatever it took. And they saw someone coming in the way, so they tried to stop him. But guess what? Guess what I think is super interesting is that Samson is kind of getting his life entangled into this lifestyle, right? Think about it. Like, he's kind of having similar thoughts and behaviors here when he says in the beginning, the chapter we saw before, she pleases me, chapter 14. Me, she pleased me. I like how Isaiah said, she pleased me, right? Um, and then he says, uh, I am blameless, in verse three, we just saw, I'm blameless regarding what's going on. It's not my fault, I get to kill, I get to take revenge, all right? Um, and then he says, uh, after that, verse seven, revenge is mine and I'm gonna take it. Think about the entanglement he's slowly involving himself into. And that's just a small little thing, like for maybe for us here, but I want you to think about, like when Carol and I got married, I realized I didn't just marry the woman, I married the family. <laughs> and so I want you to think about that. Like, when you're thinking about marriage, when you're looking at the possible to be, realize it's not just her, man. You're marrying everything that comes with her too, parents and all, family, siblings, whatever it is. And so be careful in your impossible entanglement, right? And so uh, we go on here just with this idea of him going to this cleft of the rock of Edom, right? I talked about how Samson's been, Samson's kind of changing here. It's interesting to me that Edom means lair of wild beasts. And this is where he's choosing to kind of sit down and chill. I imagine him with like a stem of wheat. Like, yeah, I did this, you know, and plucking this stuff out of his teeth. Just an, again, lair of beasts. And isn't that kind of fitting for Samson? Samson? This is like where he is. You know, he's, he's kind of to himself, lonesome dove, does what he wants, does when he wants, you know, and that's wound him up as kind of this wild beast that's untamable, all right? But in the midst of all this that we've been reading, I want to remind you guys, as messed up as Samson might be, as messed up as we might be, God can still use us. And, and think about that. If God looked at your life and said, one mistake, nope, cannot. Five mistakes, nope, cannot. A hundred mistakes like me and thousands, right? Nope, cannot, right? But, but for, for this, this is a level of truth for us that, man, God chooses to use us despite our past, despite our, our current struggles that we're going through now, yeah? So don't be ashamed in the current struggles that you're going through. Whatever it is you might be seeing and living right now, God can still use you, okay? Don't think you're not good enough, right? Paul said, I preach Christ crucified. That's what you need to know, the cross, 
okay? Not all this theological kind of stuff and get yourself in just the right place, okay? Just want to encourage you with that tonight, guys. So let's go on, verse 19. Verse 19 here. Let me flip over. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 9. Why did I say 19? Um, Verse 9. Now the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and deployed themselves against uh, Lehi. And the men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? So they answered, we have come up to arrest Samson, to do to him as he has done to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you have done to us? And he said to them, as they did to me, I've done to them. Come down. To, uh, but they said to him, we have come down to arrest you that we may deliver you into the hand, of the hand of the Philistines. Then Samson said to them, swear to kill me. Uh, yeah, swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. On oh, my chicken scratch up here. He said again, then Samson said, swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. You guys, again, This back and forth. You see this back and forth. What Samson does, (coughs) what the Philistines do. What Samson does, what the Philistines do. This dangerous escalation. And again, this is all entangled with what God's plan. He's going to get his plan out of this. But I just want you guys to keep your eye on, like, what is this escalation going on? Guys, when I tell you, you know, my history and time in the past and doing counseling, if you're a couple here, if you've got friends here, if you're struggling with, um, you know, your conversations, be careful sometimes how things are escalating. Look at that. Because we see the escalation and just the explosion of this relationship between him and the Philistines just simply um, because of what they were doing. Think about your conversations with each other. Is this escalating into something that's really going to be something we regret that's kind of happening here, right? Um, and I, I'm going to point out something here. Really, We're going to camp here just for a second. But uh, Samson is, again, he's seeking revenge. The Philistine, Philistine wants to burn him, right? We see this connection where, like, um, you know, Samson burned the fields. They want to burn his family. Now they want to burn him, right? This is just deep revenge in here, right? Um, and I just think it, it makes me kind of laugh here. We get to a point where there's 3,000 men. The Philistines want something done. And so Israel says, okay, we'll get something done. We'll get 3,000 men to go and bring Samson over. Doesn't that speak to the weight and the strength of this guy? Like, not five guys are going to him, 3,000 men. Like, I don't know how many are in Kilauea, but it's like a lot of people going to talk to this guy to get him to go back to, to the Philistines, right? To avoid all this um, kind of war, all right? And what's interesting to me, here's where I want to camp for a second, is we heard the Philistines' response. Don't you know that they rule over us? Here's where I want to shift. If, in the essence of time, you don't have to go there. You can go there if you want. Um, but I want us just to look at the ruling over of the Philistines, really, the ruling over of the Israelites here. Because they say, don't you know that they rule over us? Right? And Deuteronomy 6, 17 through 19. Again, you don't have to flip there. Just quickly here. It says, this is the promise. You remember the covenant promise that God made to his people when they were in the desert by Moses. He speaks this covenant promise before they go into the promised land. 
And and he says this through Moses. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give you to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has promised. Deuteronomy 6. Fact check me. You can't, right? Deuteronomy 6. Look it back up, right? That's a, that's a promise given to God to his people. So what, what's going on? You might be asking yourself, okay, it's not lining up. What's going on here? And I want to shift us to what happens a little bit before in Deuteronomy 6, 17 through 19. It's actually in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, where Moses begins to shed light onto the importance of, of choosing this day, who you're going to serve, right? Which way you're going to go. There's something that happens on both sides. And, and have you guys ever heard of uh, Shema before? It means like to hear. It means to hear. It's actually a customary thing that they would do in Jewish culture, it was a type of, uh, basically a prayer that they would have. It was important to them, like, like a pledge of allegiance or uh, a hymn that we sing of praise. Uh, it's Shema to them was important for every day, in the morning, in the evening, right? And where it came from, where it stemmed from, was this passage, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. And it says this, it says, Hear, O Israel, you might know it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Okay, this was before their entrance into the land. There are three key ingredients in that Shema that really these people needed to follow and we can take hold of today. One is here, the word here. So if you're writing things down, write this down. The Shema starts with here, here, O Israel. And this doesn't mean here as in just listen. It means here, and do, hear and obey. Another word for that means to hear and respond to what you hear, okay? This is what Jewish culture would do every day. They would remind themselves of this. The other part is one. Our God is one. That's not a challenge of the, uh, like, um, the Trinity, right? There's not a challenge of are they one God? No, this is actually a declaration of there is no other God but our God. Nothing else takes the place of it, right? Not toys, not money, not a false God, whatever it is. Nothing else takes the place. The last one is the word love, right? Where it says, um, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. So this was what we hear in our culture is, and I tell my kids all the time, I love you, I love you, I love you. This is different. This is different than emotion and feelings, right? Oh, I just love you, right? This is totally different, guys. This is about a decision of wholehearted devotion. That means, that means your, your emotions, your mind, your body, your thinking, everything wholeheartedly, everything you got wholeheartedly devoted to God. That's what the Shema stands for. That's what the people of Israel were supposed to stand on every day as they entered this land, but they forgot it. So no wonder they come up with this idea that the Philistines rule over us because they've lost their God, they've forgotten their God, and they've forgotten to remember what they're to do to honor their God, right? Keeping him first. What's the point in that? The point, you guys, is that, again, the obedience and devotion to God was supposed to make them stand out in a unique way 
to the, this land, the people in this land, Philistine people, right? It was also this idea that God wanted them to know that if you worship false gods, it, it's gonna degrade human nature. It's going to destroy the communities around you, which is kind of what we see happening, right? But worshiping, worshiping the God, the creator, your God, leads to life and blessing, okay? So don't forget that in your life today, right? The culture around you, how you are to stand out and be unique, and why, right? For his glory, okay? And he wants to give you that life and blessing that's attached to there, okay? And we're given that through all eternity, right? Through Jesus, amen. So um, I'm not gonna harp on it too much because of time here, but verses 13 to 17, Let's continue on, finish this up. So they spoke to him saying, no, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand, but we will surely not kill you. That's nice. And they bound him with two ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, sorry, I just want to be Samson. With jawbone of a donkey, I've slain a thousand men. That's how I talk to my kids, so it's fun. And And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Ramath Lehi. If, if you don't have to know this, not super important, but if you're like me and you're like, what's Ramath Lehi? You know, just means height of a jawbone, simply, right? So again, that, that basic idea where they're, they're tying him up, they're giving him over, then he busts through this thing like a magic trick Right, like just they were not expecting this. He's going uphill, he busts through this thing, and then he just goes and slays these guys. It's like something straight out of a video game. In fact, guys, like I was thinking about this, like if you take my idea, I'm come, come on, I gotta get something out of this. But they've got to make a video game with like the best warriors of the Bible. Like imagine like Samson standing with his jaw phone, that, that blinking, you know, when you choose your soldier, your warrior. Like they got, that would be so epic. Like you choose your warrior and then you, you battle him on this video game. Austin, I'm, I'm not <laughs> gonna let you win. I'm gonna get it first. So wouldn't that be just so epic just to see and then they go and slay and fight each other. Anyways, so this, this is what happens, guys. He rushes up and he destroys these thousand Philistines with the jawbone of the donkey. You know, I just want it to be a reminder to us that, you know, if I think back, again, we heard they rule over us. Israel is thinking they rule over us. We also see, you know, that uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon Samson, right? We also see um, that there's this bondage and tying up of him, right? No chance of winning, (laughs) right? The Philistines are shouting against him, like, we're taking you down, one against a thousand, and then this slaying happens. It's so amazing, right? So let's continue on here. 18 through 20, 18 through 20, let's finish it out. Then he became very thirsty. Um, So he cried out to the Lord and said, you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? Remember that word. We're gonna go back to that in a minute. 
God, oh, so God split the hollow place that he is in Lehi and water came out and he drank and his spirit returned and he revived. Therefore, he called its name En Hakor, which, in, uh, which is in Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. So it, guys, in this 18 through 20 here, as we finish it out, again, it's a hot summer day for Samson. He's kind of tired of killing a thousand guys. You know, he's parched. And uh, he wants to be revived. You know, he's tired. He's exhausted. And he calls out to the Lord. And what I think is so beautiful, yeah, is God responds to his physical need. But I think it's such a great, you know, I like to pull tangents out of scripture. Like how can we, implications, ways we can apply it to our life. This is such a beautiful way of our, uh, to understand how our spiritual life works. Crying out to God in your desperation. And now he hears you and he breaks through the floodgates of water for you to be nourished and refreshed in our lives today. The importance of crying out to the Lord, you guys. Psalm 14.4 says this, Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers who eat up my people, as they eat bread and do not call upon the name of the Lord? Like, evil people don't talk to the Lord. Guys, please remember, like, we need to talk to the Lord. We don't want to be a part of that. (laughs) You know, that side, that generation, that thinking process. Speaking to the Lord is so important. Acts 2.21, you may already know it. Everyone who calls upon the, upon the name of the Lord will be saved, right? This calling, this reaching out, this desperation to him. Guys, it's so important for you individually, especially when you're facing the battles, like a thousand men in your life. Like, don't, don't, don't like... Think that I don't know, you guys, that life is hard for you. You may not have a thousand people at rushing, bum rushing you at work, at chicken and a barrel. You may be a chicken and a barrel. You might get a thousand customers rushing in at you, and you might call out to the Lord in that way. But guys, when life gets tough and has got you down and everything's against you, I think of all the people serving in this church, all the things that are going on in our church on a global level, on a local level, how important it is to cry and call out out of desperation to the Lord because he promises to respond. In Psalms 50, 15, David says, and call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. It's a promise. Call upon his name. And I love, um, this was an encouragement uh, for our church. I was reading, uh, if you've never read this book before, it's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Um, I encourage you to read it if you get a chance by Jim Simbola. And he says in here, in the book, he says, you can tell how popular a church is by who comes on Sunday morning. You can tell how popular a pastor or evangelist is by who comes on Sunday night. But you can really tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. Let that sink for a second again, right? (laughs) Don't mean to hit you guys with so many jawbones tonight. But um, think about that. Do we even know if we have a prayer night at our church? Is it still happening, right? But I want to encourage you guys that we do pray before this. Come, you know, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Here, let's pray. You know, Sundays, 7.30, we pray in here, welcoming to you. But also, guys, I don't want to bound you up and make you feel like you have to come or this won't happen, right? I just want to encourage you, pray with someone in our church, constant in prayer. Pray with each other. That's where strength lies. That's where the nourishment lies to carry on, right? Um, I want to end this, my last few minutes here, you guys, with focusing 
on this idea of they rule over us. You remember that? We talked about um, how, you know, Philistines rush down, Samson takes the jawbone, right? Busts through the ropes. Um, I want to go back to that for a second um, because I ha- want to highlight something that I think is kind of unique. Maybe, I don't know if you've heard before, but um, when I look at that, again, war, what was raging out, what was growing between the Philistines and the Israelites, this idea of war. Why did people go to war at that time? To prove how great their God was over other gods. If you win, your God is greater. You know, if I win, my God is greater, right? So we have this idea of Samson, the mightiest of all of them, is about to get destroyed and trampled, right? And not only that, but he, he's tied. He's tied to uh, these fresh, strong ropes that is sure to not break him loose, right? It's this expectation of failure and defeat as he goes up to be given to his enemy, right? We also, guys, he mentions closer to the end, the uncircumcised. There's this idea of different people, Circumcised versus uncircumcised, outside of of God, right? Outside of the people of God. And the big one that I want to kind of harp on here is, again, Samson was supposed to do the impossible, or was like, was faced with the impossible. Um, But this idea of the donkey's jawbone, you know, like, again, it it could be he just picked up a random jawbone. But I I just want to jump into this for a second. When you see a donkey in scripture, what does it kind of typically, typically represent? It usually represents lowliness. Uh, a type of commoner would use a donkey at the time, right? Um, a type of um, basically uh, worker, servanthood you can get from the picture of having a donkey, right? That's the picture you get. Um, and it just reminded me of uh, Luke 19, sorry, I'm looking at my notes here, the, Jesus's triumphal entry. Like, what did he enter in on? Not a yak, not a, a, a fox, right? He entered in on a what? A donkey, a lowly, servanthood, sacrificial, kind of like, just kind of the commoner of the commoner type of, ride. You didn't have no Hummer, okay? (laughs) Um, But it's just interesting to me how as these things broke loose for Samson, he rushes up, he does the impossible, he destroys the thousand, how Jesus in our life now, you know, we see him riding in the triumphal entry in scripture on that, you know, to his death, to what Satan thought was the guaranteed victory, like impossible feat, Impossible to happen, right? And he raises from the dead, does the impossible for us, right? And I just think that that's so unique. It's just a, how Jesus crushes uh, sin. He, he conquers death. It just as Samson crushes and does the impossible here with the donkey's jawbone. I think that was pretty unique. So guys, as we end here, I wanna give you, you know, I like to give you things to think about as you take home. That's just a counselor in me, I'm sorry. I just wanna give you a little few more pa- passages in Proverbs just to think about here uh, with Samson's anger. I'm not, I'm not, a object, I'm not giving um, merit to, you can be angry all the time. You can do whatever you want and God will, 
um, just work through you no matter what you do. You know, I want to encourage you that um, your life needs to align in how scripture aligns. And, and this is what it says in Proverbs. Write it down if you don't have it. I'm not going to say them all. I'm just going to kind of give you a general idea here. Proverbs 13.1 talks about being a wise son. Okay, Proverbs 13.1. Proverbs 14.12 talks about um, the way that seems right to a man. What happens when a way seems right to a man? Proverbs 14, 12. Proverbs 14, 17 talks about a quick-tempered man and what happens to him. Or woman, just saying, okay. Proverbs 14, 29 is about being slow to anger, okay? 14, 29. Proverbs 14, 27 talks about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life saving a man from the snares of death. That's what that talks about, okay? So commit these, I want to encourage you, commit these Proverbs to your mind, to your heart, and your soul. You will be tested, not by me, okay? You'll be tested in life, and I want to encourage you. Stand on the word of God, right? That promise of, of nourishment that we get from the word of God, from our prayer with him, right? Guys, let me pray for us. I hope you got something exciting out of tonight. And if anything, if anybody is playing a video game, you better tell me, okay? Because I'm going to make it awesome. So, God, we love you. Thank you for this story. Thank you for this truth. Um, thank you that we get to see you in a mighty way through people that we would never expect. We would never expect, Lord. People who have messed up. People who are so weak in the past we've looked at. The impossible is possible with you. So as we worship tonight, as we continue in worship, Lord, I pray that you break through what seems impossible to us. If there's anything that we're holding on to, break the chains, Lord. Lord, we give everything to you. We worship you, Lord. We hear you. Oh, Lord, you are our God. You are the one. You we shall love with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. In Jesus' name, amen.